Welcome to the JUCO Coaching Podcast. My name is Nate Tuft. I am the head men's basketball coach at Ridgewater College in Wilmer, Minnesota. My co-host is Tyler Hebrink, head baseball coach at Ridgewater College. Our goal with this podcast is to walk through the challenges and opportunities of a junior college season and to share our success, failure, and growth over our coaching career at the junior college level. Join us each week as we cover a different topic in relation to coaching college athletics. Welcome back to the Juco Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Tuft. Um, It's basketball playoff time, and I can feel it in my blood, Tyler. Uh, Welcome back to the podcast. How's everything going with you? Things going pretty good. Um, You know, I'm not really in tune with basketball as much nowadays, so I'm glad it's trickling through your blood anyway. I can. All these smaller schools, uh, NAIA and D2 schools, are getting to their playoffs, and I just can't get enough, and I can't can't figure out what games I want to go to. It's a really... A predicament. Well, it's, a, it's a fun time for, for any basketball fan, for sure. And It's so funny as a coach, and you probably know this too, like you have all these like high school games that you plan to get to, and then like the end of the season starts coming and you start looking at schedules, and it's like, oh, crap, I only have like one more opportunity to see yeah. this guy. And so all of a sudden, it like goes, your two weeks is like booked up with like nine games a day that it, you should be going to. But It goes quick, and then you have, you'll have like an off day, and you're like, okay, well, I'm, I'm – Hey, go spend some time. Right. Something. But there's a lot of options, which makes it. Fun. I wish you had that urgency in November when the games start, but yeah, end of the year you're trying to close deals. You well, got to get the games. That's but. why I, in the next couple of weeks, baseball is going to get started, uh-huh. and I'm just, I'm just amped to just to see some games and to watch some games online and stuff. So. Are they going to? This is kind of local, but are there games going to be? Are you going to be able to go? Do you know what the Minnesota rule is? Right I don't. Now? I don't know. Uh, to be honest, I don't think so. I haven't heard anything um, about like capacity for a baseball. I know games. at US Bank Stadium, they're not allowing okay. those fans. But well, I wonder if you go to if you went to like uh, yeah Wilmer High School, if yeah you can just stand there. I don't know. That'll be interesting. You should look it up. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so last week we talked about uh, the uh, on-field intricacies of both basketball and, and baseball and some of the things that went along with that. This week we're going to want to talk about off-the-field challenges. And um, as a head coach of a college program, you and I both know being on the field is the best part, but probably the most difficult stuff comes off the field. And I would say most of your stuff in general. Like I would say most once you become a head coach, it really is a lot less about what's going on on the field. Yeah, absolutely. It's when when practice time, like let's say you practice at 3.30. Once 3.30 hits, you're like, oh, Perfect. Yeah, like, right. It's practice. Let's go out there. And that's the fun part. And then once practice is over or game's over, then it's back to all the the challenges and a um, bunch of stuff you got to take care of. So um, what's something that kind of pops into your head in terms of a, a challenge that you face off the field or, or not so much a challenge or can be a challenge, but, you know, like duties or duties. Yeah. Something that you I have think to do. that uh, like dealing with grades sometimes gets to kind of be a burden for me just because you don't know for sure what you're getting from your players and them telling you what's going on. Then you're communicating with teachers and it's through emails. So you're like waiting around. Like, I think that gets, that gets a little bit tedious for me. It's super important and like all that stuff, but like you're not hands on and you're not in the classroom with them. So it's like an accountability thing that communication is so vital and you just, you get so many sides of the stories like, Oh, my teacher didn't did this to me. Well, 
did the teacher actually do that to you or like did you not come to class or like there's yeah. so many variants in it that I feel like I can't control that much and I it's an important part of the job but and it's it's one of those things and you can talk to any college coach no matter the sport the one thing that we probably hate the most is hand holding yes and doing grade checking mm -hmm. um, is one of those hand holding things yeah. now it's 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 important to yeah. make sure guys are staying on task and going to class but if you have a player or whatever that's constantly missing class right. or not turning in assignments it's just those conversations get old to have yeah. after a while and especially uh, without any change i've changed a lot with that like hand holding thing like when i first started as a coach here at ridge i uh i did a lot more like i'd get a bad grade check back and then i would like do everything to get them to be successful. Like yeah. I would hook them up with a couple people. I would tell them what they, blah, blah, blah. I did all that stuff. I've, and I, I've changed because that never was like successful long-term. So like I started like, you feel like you put, me this is what you yeah. need to do. This is who you need to contact, do well, it. And if you don't do it, you're going to fail. And then it's, it's kind of on you. Like I want to be able to say my team has a 3.8 GPA but I'm not going to do that myself. Like I need you to take the action yeah. to get better. Else it doesn't matter what I do to help you. Cause yeah. And, and one, one conversation that I always have with kids that I'm recruiting is, and especially if they bring their parents, I let them know and remind them that if they come here, that they're adults. Right. And as an adult, I'm going to treat you like an adult and you need to handle, you know, your yeah. business. Cause whether you're going to school and college or you get a job, you're not going to have a boss that sits around and, hey, wakes you up in the morning to go to to get to work on time and make sure you have a ride. No, as an adult, these are things that you need to do um, to be you know successful or to learn them now and then hopefully that you can translate and it later. But that's really why I hate discipline side of things too. Like it just feels like you should be able to handle this. Like that's what frustrates me the most when I got to like make guys run because the computer lab smelled like weed when they're in there with the trainer doing the concussion test. Like, like, why am I dealing with this? Like you guys need to clean this up. You guys need to like a conversation should be able to fix this. I just don't need to treat you like a child and a whole team's got to run for 30 minutes until somebody is willing to talk about it. Like I just, there, maybe there's a different approach to, discipline and that maybe works and stuff but sometimes it's just like i don't know it just when i'm having the same conversations every week like not every week but when i'm having the same conversations over and over again it just gets old dealing with discipline when you're you should be an adult yeah yeah exactly these kids are adults and you got to treat them like that um kind of going along the same lines as grades too something that we have to keep it uh up to date on is eligibility too so it's not just kids and their grades and what their grades are but mm -hmm. at the collegiate level you have to maintain a certain gpa and you have to maintain a certain amount of credits that you have passed yep. so depending on if you're a freshman a sophomore obviously we don't deal with juniors or seniors but at our level we have to keep on uh, task with that and so after your first semester you kids need to make sure they have 12 credits passed yep. by their third semester that's at least for yep. me to be yep. eligible in yep. the spring by your third semester, you need to have 36, right. and your GPA is 2.0, I believe. Yep. Um, so those are all factors that go into it, um, and then you you deal with, you know, some kids will take will have 14 credits, and then in October they will decide to withdraw a class yeah. 
and it takes them below full time. Yep. So you're well, ineligible. You'll be ineligible yep. because you don't have the opportunity to, to get up to that 12. Now there are some opportunities, at least for me, baseball wise, that kids can take, you know, break like classes yeah, yeah. Yep. in between, you know, during uh, Christmas break and stuff. But the, those are options you just don't want to. Right. And it's just a challenge of communication. Like there's a way through that, that idea of like dropping below, like there's a way to figure that situation out without dropping below. But, yeah, absolutely. But, but when guys yeah. just take it in their own hands and go to their advisor and tell them they got to drop this because the teacher said, and it's like, no, you need to get a D in that class so that you have the 12 yeah. credits and the 2.0. So, like sometimes getting, sometimes getting a D in a class is better than taking a W. Oh, for sure. You right. know? Yep. Because then there's a completion rate too. You have to complete, I don't, I don't know what is it like 60%? Or seventy percent of your classes. I don't know if that's as vital at, at junior college anymore because. But, but if you in your first semester, if you're taking five classes and right. you withdraw from right. two, then you're below the completion. Right, you can't be below twelve credits though. You know, right, right, but that but you have the double edge right. there too. Yep. You have below the credits and your completion rate is mm -hmm. low. So, obviously, keeping up to task with grades is right. important. Um, and we do do things, you know, beginning of the year meetings yep. and things like that. But these are also 18, 19 year old kids. Right. Um, and it's where the, as an off the field challenge of building relationships throughout your school becomes so important because yeah, yeah. if you build a team of like, like we work with our tutor quite a bit, well, that's another outlet for them to talk where they may be not comfortable talking to me about something. Yeah. Hopefully they're willing to talk to them. And then if we can get them in with a good advisor, then at least there's a third. And now all of a sudden we have a triangle where, they might talk to the tutor. They might talk to me. They might talk to the advisor. But hopefully, with the, all of it, because we built those relationships, you have a somebody's getting the information, and they can yeah. relay it to somebody else. So hopefully, uh, as long as you have that, you have the whole communication story, right? with, with everybody, and everyone's on board. It makes it go smoothly. Um, obviously, that's not always the case, right. but um, but, if, but why it needs to be a priority to build relationships yeah. in school and have at least with those important people. Like you don't have to be the king of the school, but at least. And, then, and there's great people here, you know, where, where we work that, that work alongside us and are reaching out and um, giving us updates and stuff, which is, which is fantastic. So um, another challenge that I think that coaches face off the field, like especially at our level is the fundraising piece. Yes. Like it's such a, it's so important. Like it is a lifeblood of being really successful and like having the equipment that you want or being able to provide like a really good college experience and feeding guys the right way and doing all those things. But it is a challenge finding the time, putting in the effort it's, and making enough money yeah. for it to be worth it. Like it's that is a challenge. Yeah, it's extremely stressful. Um, when you go into a season and let's say, you know, your budget's $15,000. That's what you get for the whole year. That includes games. That includes paying um, officials. officials. That includes uh, meal money, um, That uh, your travel. Yep. Um, and equipment, all that yeah. goes into, so you have $15,000 that goes out of the, that goes out real quick. Yep. So, um, at least for me in, in a baseball season, you have to take a spring trip, especially when you're up in Minnesota, yep. you have to take a spring trip. Um, and you have to get those games, games in, in. in, in March and every, every school does it, but none of that money comes from, you know, the school It needs right. to be fundraised. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking at a roster of between 30 and 35 guys plus, you know, three, four coaches, um, so you're going to be staying in hopefully condos because those are the cheapest um, and your flights and all that stuff. If you're looking at between 30 and $40,000 for 
seven days in Florida for your baseball team. And you're not, you have to fundraise all of that. Um, and that's something you have to do every single yeah. year. So it's not something you can do one year and then you know, okay, I got this. It's okay for a couple of years. Nope. You got to do it every year. Um, and that's, yeah, I, I completely agree. The fundraising part, it's, it's difficult because you have to find the right fundraisers that are going to be profitable and um, they're going to help out, obviously. Yeah, it's, it's everybody always gets caught up like in high major sports. You always hear about donors and all this stuff. And it's just a totally different beast when you get to small schools. Like sometimes there is yeah. donors, but it is so much like just legwork trying to get it. And like you'll run into fundraisers where like my first year we did this fundraiser at a restaurant and the check was like 75 bucks. Yeah. And it was just like, no, we put in way too much effort and like time and getting your guys all rounded up to do it. And then you get that check and it's like, that's not even meal money. Like what? That's yeah. such a waste of time. And then, but there's other times where you can make like a thousand bucks and we've officiated middle school football before. And, but that's like eight weeks of officiating exactly. six people there a week. And, and then it's getting cold. And then you're, then you're sending your guys out to work in the cold and officiate football, which we don't even, like yeah. most guys didn't even play football. So See, it's that's, that's the thing. When counterproductive. You, when you're, when you don't get much budget money, you have to fundraise or you have to fundraise so much money, you have to take into account how much time that yeah. takes. And if you're looking to raise $20,000, you're going to have to do a lot of fundraising out, you know, and that takes away from potentially practice time, kids doing, being able to do their homework. Right. But that's what you have to do. Right. If you want to have a good program, you, have, you have to yep. be able to raise that kind of and money. And there is a fine line of like some fundraising can be really good team building. Yep. Like it's fun to go do stuff. And you're doing stuff as a team, even if it's not like the funnest activity, at least you're doing something together and all that. But there's also, like you said, too much time, like we, where you're yeah. asking too much of them. I worked uh, my previous job as an assistant coach. Our main fundraisers, we worked events at U.S. Bank Stadium. Um, we also worked uh, at the state fair now, which pay really good. Those are they, good. They paid good fantastic yep. money. We made between 50 and $60,000. The only thing is every player was required to go every time. And we went, we did all the home gopher football games, all the home Vikings games. They started doing Timberwolves games. Uh, like I said, they did, we did concerts. We did the state fair. So you're thinking we have, especially in the fall, you have practice in class Monday through Friday. You have a home gopher game that you got to work on Saturday. That includes, you know, you have to travel there and all that stuff because uh, you can't just show up at kickoff. Right. And then Sunday, you get back on Saturday. And then Sunday, you got to get up early and go to the Vikings game and work the Vikings game. Get home 6 o'clock and then – get ready for the week and it just wore out you never reset yeah. you never uh sat down on the couch for a couple hours like you yeah, just you stood there the whole time and yeah. did whatever checking bags and and like you said made a lot of money the money is awesome um, but but there's got to be a balance um right, there's an opportunity cost to everything you're doing like yeah yeah absolutely so no that's a good point fundraising is especially at our level more than any other level uh ncaa division three division two division one we get the least amount of money right? and we have to be creative with, yeah. with how we come up with the money that we need. And we have it a little bit better because I don't have that trip. I don't have to, like, I mostly just need to supplement my basketball, basketball wise. Yep. yep. Like 
I just need to supplement so that I can treat my players right in my mind, like being able to provide a couple extra things or be able to have a little more food or like have a couple more overnight trips. Like, so I'm not looking to raise 35, 40, 50, like you are like, I, I can get by by raising three, four, 5,000 a year, but it's, it's just, it's just a challenge. Or else it's asking, a challenge all, all around, like, how are you going to do it? Like, you can ask your players to send out letters as well, yeah. but that's that's a burden on the family sometimes, and not everybody's got the same, like, and, home And not everybody will and, get the same amount back. Right. So you might have a kid that sends out letters and gets $1,000 back, and then you have a, another kid who gets 200 bucks. And that's different for you. With, each kid's got to pay for the trip, and, yeah. like, so it's different balancing that out and how you do it, where ours just goes into a pot, and it doesn't really matter, but... Yeah, I, I mean... There's challenge. two routes for the spring yeah. trip. And yeah. since we're talking about it, we try to fundraise so that the kids don't have to pay anything. Right. Now I could take the route where we just say, you know, we're not going to fundraise and you got to pay yep. your way. That's yep. part of it. And yep. there, there are programs that yep. do that, but that's a lot of money. And it, and it's not really the experience you want to give. Yep. So it just depends on the program and how you go about it. Yep. And they do have to pay for some things at our level. Like I make them pay for most of their gear, but, yep. Yep. but hopefully they can come up with that $125 and 150 bucks and be okay. But, yeah, we it's do challenge. same thing. We do, yeah, like player pack stuff. Yep. Where you're you have to get this this yep. many things, yep. and then whatever else you want, that's what up to you. But uh, um, but yeah, try to keep it um, as conservative as possible. Right. One other uh, thing I was thinking about is, um, and this relates directly to you because you have a child. Is your family life? Yeah. Um, another big challenge. Um, because we, we spend a lot of time, whether it's recruiting, on the practice field, on buses, going to games, um, going to see people play, um, fundraising. You have all that stuff that goes into um, your job. And then where's the family right. time going? And it's something that I've really juggled this year trying to figure out. Because our, with our season being canceled, I've obviously been home. Yeah. But as much as I kind of want to be. But next year I can see like – you have practice at three thirty. You're going till six. Usually you're here. And then if you're watching film for the next game, like, so your nights are shot, yeah. like where, where does that balance come? So I've been trying to think of some strategies that can balance it a little bit, whether it's having our players make their schedules, their class schedules differently so that we can practice at 10 30 AM every day or yeah. something like that. So that I can free up those valuable hours in the morning and night where that, where my son can go to daycare in the middle, but yeah, those relationships at home that uh, getting a, your work done at home and and then your other jobs see, that, for yeah, making money. Like what? The, the people, now it's different for me. I, I don't have any kids like you, know, like you but um, hopefully sometime here in the future that'll happen. But I know being around uh, coaches and coaching wives, the, the heroes of it all are the wives. Right. The wives and, and, the, and the kids, right? Because right. – they have to pick up where when you're not there. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're at school all day and then you're at practice, you're not getting home till eight o'clock. The kids in bed by that time. You know, the wife has had to has right. to do it all, and that you know. And as you have a kid like that, that relationship's just just different because with your wife, you can call her on the way home, you can yep. FaceTime her, you can talk, and you can communicate like what's going on in your days and how you're feeling and stuff. Like my son, he's a month, a year and a half old, like. The only thing you can do is be there with them and like yeah. hang out and stuff. So it's, that's an interesting balance because you want to be great at both. So it's figuring out how you can do that or how you can be the most present that you can be when you are there. 
like yeah, how being you can able to, set things that's, up. That's the other thing that's huge is being able to shut it off. Right. Like when you get home after practice, I know for me, I'm not able to just say, okay, practice is over. I'm not going to think about it. Right. Like I think about yep. what we did right, what we did wrong, what we need to yep. improve on for the next day of practice. And you're just thinking about that yep. all night. That's where my hour drive helps a ton. Like yeah, that I'm driving, true. but that's two hours out of your day. That's yeah. That takes that's your day down from thing. 24 hours down to 21 and a half hours yeah. because you're driving in it in a day. So uh, it's, it's definitely a sacrifice on your lifestyle and – you definitely can't just go home and like still be on your phone or yeah. like look at watch TV. Like that's, yeah. that's not like an option in season. So, it, and that's, you see a lot of coaches um, early on in their career are they're single yep. um, and they're bouncing around program to program, trying to build something themselves, but it's, it's difficult. And, and um, it, it's, it's, it's a challenge because it takes all your time. You're not making very much money. You're yep. sacrificing a lot of career things to be a coach you have to and nobody's it. bailing you out on that stuff. Like you are giving up a good chunk of your time unless you can land in a really good situation and get lucky. But, and that's what everyone's trying to do. Right. And yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a challenge. So um, hats off to you um, and your I wife mean, well, too, being able to balance that with, with having a kid. I mean, with everything. all of this stuff, it just gets so important that you can communicate clearly and that you can communicate expectations because whether it's with your players and trying to discipline them or make sure they have the right grades, whether it's with your wife at home, whether it's with recruits, whether it's making your schedule, like you have, to, whether it's fundraising and what your expectations for your players and your coaches is with that, like you need to communicate clearly why these things are happening, how you're going to do yeah. them. Like at least if everybody knows why and they, and what's expected, we people can get through it. Yeah. But if you're surprising everybody and being inconsistent and things See, like that, if you're inconsistent off the floor, you're just, it's just so hard to keep morale high. Yeah, and attitude's and, good. And that transitions to uh, another point that I want to bring up is planning. Yep. Um, being able to balance, like we said, yeah. the life stuff and the coaching stuff, but just the overall uh, challenge of having to plan out the entire season from practice yeah. to team meetings to fundraising to games to you know figuring out the bus schedules um all that stuff it's a part of your job but along with everything else creates another challenge that you have that takes away from being on the field yep. what do you think it's just it's just like going through this list today on this is like almost overwhelming how much <laughs> you hear yeah so that i mean you just got to you have to plan what you can plan. Like you can only control what you can control. So you might as well get those details ironed out and then you can move on. Like I try to get it all, all that stuff. I know what I need to do done. Like I got to get that yeah. done. So I don't have to think about you, it. You have to essentially as, plan to plan. Right. Yeah. So like I know, okay, today I'm going to tackle what my schedule is going to look like. And tomorrow I plan on planning what, our practice right. schedule looks yep. like you have to do that because you can't you can't just tackle it all. No, once. yeah, I mean, really, there's, there's just so much. But it's such a weird balance too for me. Like, I'm sometimes in the summer I've thought about making like skeleton practice plans so that like this is kind of what each week is going to look like. Yeah. But then you sit down at your computer and you're trying to make it, and it's like can't even think about it. Like, and then all yeah. of a sudden, like you're just planning practices week to week or even day to day yeah. when it would be so much better. But you to have it ahead of time, but it's hard well, to like think like and that. And so many different things happen during practice right. too, <laughs> where you might think the team can handle something yep. quickly and they can't. Yep. Okay. Well we should cover this again tomorrow. Right. So 
you so have it's to like be a, adaptable yeah, too. Yeah, big picture and small picture looking, but yeah. like you just have to. And what you can do in the off season needs to get done. Like you need to plan your off seasons so yeah. that you are tackling things to make your in seasons easier. Yeah. What would you say is the most busy time for you? The the off season, the in season, the summer session. What what what's probably the the, the busiest time for you? Definitely for me is after Christmas break when our conference season starts. So like January, whatever, they're back on New Year's Eve. So like from there until like mid-March, because those are like must-win games because they're conference games. So you you need to be as absolutely prepared as you can be. You need to be like maximizing your practice time because yep. you're kind of getting down to an hour and a half of practice and you're not trying to get those guys too tired, but you need to get the most out of it. You need to have film prepared so that you guys can watch film and like learn from that. And then recruiting has ramped up as much because high school season's in full swing. It's getting to be playoff time. You need to get places to see guys. So it's the most important time for your team, but it's also probably the most important time for recruiting that relationships have been built so that you can close them in March and April. But it's all in that one window. Like at least for us, like AU isn't as big of a thing in the summer for us because most, most athletes aren't open to like, the JUCO route yet because they still think they're going to get scholarships and division two and division one and any high schools are going to come in. So they're, they're not ready to listen to my recruiting pitch yet, but in March now they're really ready ready to hear from me. So, so I got to be going hard on the phone. I got to be going hard on my own team. So it's, that's, that's a really a real balance for us. Yeah. I, I agree. In season stuff is probably the busiest for me too. Um, and, and I kind of have two in seasons. Yeah. Um, the fall season for a month and a half there where we're able to practice every day and then scrimmage on the weekends. And then we have fundraising stuff. And then the in season, once practice starts January 15th, we go until, you know, we yeah. lose out. Um, but you're right. You have the practice stuff, you have game stuff to worry about, but you also have to worry about recruiting. Yep. Um, and, and so much goes into that too, because, you might have a kid that can visit. You might have two visits that day and one kid might be able to visit at 10 in the morning and one kid might be able to visit at two 30 and then you have practice at three. And so the, 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 the balance there and the time is always unique, especially in in season. Um, And then typically for me, I don't know if it's the same for you, but after the season um, that's when you can kind of take a step back for, for a little bit in terms of um, your schedule and just focus, at least I do, um, on just peer recruiting at right. that point and trying to gear up for next year. And then you got to worry about guys where they're living. Yep. Um, the nice thing for us is that you, we can't really do anything in that spring off season. Like there's, it's pretty much no contact yeah. then. So at least, at least the pressure of running like off season workouts is kind of off. Like we still give guys weight programs and it yep. kind of set expectations, but there's not like, as much organized stuff with your team. So at least you can kind of shift your focus a little bit where in the fall and in the winter, you're just focused on your team and building a team in the fall and doing all that. So that spring is a nice time to kind of reset yeah. and like, and, and how, how quick does the in-season stuff go? It just, it always feels yeah. like every year you're starting practice and then all of a sudden you're in the league playoffs and then yeah. season's done just yeah. cause there's so much to yeah. do every day. Right. And, and you're trying, like we said, all this stuff that we've talked about in terms of off the field challenges, you're battling that with the things we talked about last week that on the field yeah. stuff too. So there's just constantly so many things going through your mind. It's, and, um, it's where there's 
it just goes back to having like, and we're going to talk about this in an upcoming episode, but having assistant coaches and staff that you can trust that can actually handle things, having people on the campus that can help with the school stuff, having a trainer that can help with some of that stuff, uh, using the other coaches at your institution to like, maybe help with like weight room stuff or like being able to bounce ideas off of or work together on like those relationships and that communication matters off the floor more than you think until you need, until you need them. And then. No, absolutely. You, you have to understand you can't do it alone. Yeah. Um, The support team, the people that you have around you. And like you said, we're going to touch on assistant coaches here, you know, in the coming weeks, which are just vital um, Mm -hmm. to a program success and, um, no, you're absolutely right. So, um, was there any other off the field challenges that you kind of want to touch on? I think um, we hit on the big ones. I mean, there's always stuff like scheduling and like scheduling the gym and scheduling for you or your own next year and scheduling where you're going to be and stuff, but that's kind of under planning. Um, there's just those tasks that you don't realize until you're something you're always in it. comes up yep. and yep. you got to get your schedule done. And some, for us, it's a challenge because it's men and women traveling together and we always have double headers. And yeah, so you got to like balance that and the lack of schools around that want to play and the travel distance and all that. The scheduling is not too bad, at least for baseball, putting it together, but everyone knows that lives in Minnesota Springs in yeah. Minnesota could be brutal. Yep. So you might have games scheduled, but, more likely than not, you're going to have a lot of postponements and changes and, and you got to be able to yeah. work with other coaches and all that stuff. So yeah, that's, a that is different for you yeah. guys. Yeah. So, um, and the same thing with, uh, rule change stuff, you know, we, we talk about that stuff every year in our, in our meetings, uh-huh. um, what, what are new, um, rules to, to the conference and then to the specific sport itself too. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, if you don't have anything else, no, no nothing else. Um, that'll probably, that'll probably wrap it up here for, uh, this epi- episode of the Juco coaching podcast. We'll be back, uh, next week. We're going to kind of dive into some more coaching stuff and, um, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.